Praise God. Um, if you have a Bible, you can open up to Isaiah 53. We are uh, doing this series of teaching about relationships and revival. And our goal in this is we want to help you have good relationships with each other, with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, etc. And um, these are things that are worth working on. They are, and I, I know, you know, we're kind of a, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of church we are. We're a little bit of a crazy church, hallelujah, <laughs> and so, um, and I like to do that, and, and I, I love uh, the move of the Spirit and all this kind of stuff, and fire God, and hallelujah, um, and so I'm, I'm into all that, uh, but it's, as much as that's worth investing time and energy in, so too are investing time and energy in our relationships. And um, sometimes it seems like in a lot of circles I've been in, you, you do one or the other well. And uh, we want to really try to do both well. All right. And so um, last week I talked to you out of Matthew 7, verse 5, where Jesus said, um, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to, try to cast a, a moat out of somebody else's eye if you've got a beam in your own eye. And you, first of all, you need to get rid of the beam in your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to, to cast the moat out of your brother's eye. And we said that's a verse about confrontation and how you have to get over your own emotional um, you know, response to something before you engage in a, in a confrontation, and that's really healthy. But it, it, there's a bigger principle in play there, which is just that to do relationships well, it sometimes requires me to work on my own stuff. Right? I've got I've to grow personally in order to facilitate my growth relationally. And sometimes I've got to grow, uh, you know, deal with some of my issues and stuff <laughs> before I can see all the things that God wants me to to see in my, in my relationships. And, you know, if that doesn't sound exciting, which some people think, well, you know, you know, a lot of times men will be like, that doesn't sound manly. Well, ask yourself this, are my relationships all that I want them to be? Are there people that I'd like to be connected with that I'm not connected to currently? Or what would, what would life look like if my connection to my loved ones was even stronger? You know, you know marriage can always get better. No matter how good it is, it can always get better. Your relationship with your friends at church can always get better. There's, there's, now, you don't beat yourself up and, and think about, well, I'm not doing good enough, but, but it's always worth investing in. You know, we're going to have this um, marriage retreat that some of my friends are doing in, in January and stuff. And just, I'll just tell you statistically, most of the people that will go to that thing already have great marriages. And the reason that they'll go to it is because they're they consistent about investing in their marriage over, over time, right? And so you just believe that relationships can always get better. I was thinking about this too. Sometimes you've got to change inwardly how you view yourself, <coughs> excuse me, before you can get into the relationships that you need. For example, when Molly and I moved to Colorado to go to Bible college, we... Um, We'd watched all these videos of various Bible college instructors and stuff, and, and some of these people are like famous ministers. And so when we got out there, we were a little bit starstruck. 
And uh, we went to my pastor's building, and they had, they had like his parking space. And it said, Pastor Lawson parks here. And it said, Pastor Barbara parks here. And we drove by there. And they're like, that's where he parks, you know? <laughs> and we were like, <gasps> you know. <laughs> we were kind of in awe and stuff. And um, now, you know, uh, I do ministry with Pastor Lawson. And some of these other people that I've admired, I, I get to do ministry with them. In order for me to do that, I had to, I had to shift a little bit of how I saw myself. Like Lawson will ask my opinion about things. Um, in order for me to have that relationship the way that I have it, I had to change. I had to change the way that I viewed myself. So I viewed myself as a kind of person that would be willing, that would be able to give him meaningful advice. So sometimes we've got we've to have stuff healed internally so that we can connect with the people that God wants us to connect to. So that ought to sound exciting to you because it means that we can, we can grow in our revelation of who we are. And as a result of that, we can be placed in divine connections with people that God wants us to be connected to. So the big question is, how do I get the beam out of my own eye? How do I get rid of this internal stuff that clouds my vision of who I am and who other people are. And, um, you know, how do I experience healing in my emotions and in my ability to connect with other people? That's a really great, great question. Uh, so I'm going to give you the, the simple answer, and then I'm going to spend quite a bit of time explaining it. So the question is, how do I get healed of my brokenness? And the answer is, quit believing that you're broken. That's basically it. How do I get healed of my issues? Quit believing that you have any. Well, you can't say that, Pastor. I've got a whole list of issues. <laughs> well, let's look at what let's look at what the scripture says, okay? Jesus made a full provision. For, for you, spirit, soul, and body, not just, not just in the spirit realm. Let's look at Isaiah 53, 4, 5, and 6. 53, verse 4 says this, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word griefs in the Hebrew, it, it actually is the word sicknesses. It's not grief, it's, it's sickness, like physical sickness. And you say, well, how do you, how do you know that? Well, I mean, because you can look it up in the concordance. But the other way is Matthew 10, 17. Matthew quotes this verse after Jesus heals a guy physically. And he says, this was done to fulfill Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our sicknesses. And Matthew translates it sicknesses. So it's, it's talking about a physical reality, not just a, not just a spiritual one. I'm all in on the truth that Jesus heals us spiritually, uh, but Jesus also heals us physically. Hallelujah. So surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Well, where's that? Is that in your body? Well, I mean, you know, maybe. But, but where's sorrow? Is it in your spirit, soul, or body? in your soul, it's in your, in your heart, in your emotions, right? <laughs> so he healed, it says he paid for our, our bodies, healing, and then, and then he carried our sorrows. That's talking about your emotions. 
And we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Here he covers all three areas. He says he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. This is talking about spiritual healing. So it says there, he was wounded for your transgressions. That's the outward acts of sin. Thank God he forgave the outward acts of sin, but that's not the only problem. You also had an inward reality of sin, the sin nature being less than the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. So sin is not just acts of rebellion and stuff that I do. It is that. But, but sin is, you know, you were created for glory. You were created in the image of God. And when we sin, we live at a level that's less than what God created us to. And, and he says he, he was bruised for our iniquity. What's iniquity? It's, it's that internal weakness. It's the not living up to who we were created to be. It's the inward acts of sin. So Jesus became sin, not just, not just the acts, outward sin, but, but this internal reality. And then it says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. That's talking about your soul. That's talking about this area where, again, we talked about in the offering that a crown of thorns was placed on Jesus' head. And so peace was purchased for you. And lastly, with his stripes we are Healed, And again, that's talking about your, your body. Jesus addressed all of these areas. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? Well, it means in a real sense, you, you don't so much need God to save or heal you. Rather, you need to wake up to the reality of what Jesus already did for you. So let's look at Colossians chapter 2. It says this. Colossians and Ephesians are basically very similar books. I usually teach these principles that I'm going to show you out of Romans 6, but I wanted to do a different book of the Bible, and I like how it says it here. But anyway, um, Colossians 2, verse 8 through 10. Let's, say, let's read this real quickly. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So that's a crazy thing to think about. It's saying that somehow the entire Trinity smushed itself inside the body of Jesus. It's one of these things called a divine mystery. I was talking to my son about this, and I was like, how can God be a person? It's called the mystery of the Incarnation. And he was like, well, Dad, I figured it out. Mary and Joseph had him, and then he was a, you know, he was a human. <laughs> you know, I solved it. Ask me another hard question. <laughs> and uh, I said, good for you. And he's like, you know, we should write a book together. I can tell you, I can tell you what to say, and you can write it down. We can, we can send it to people that don't know about Jesus. And I thought, well, hallelujah. So... But the incarnation is kind of a mystery. It's like, uh, you know, the hardest things to understand in the Scripture are probably the incarnation and the, tr the Trinity. Um, but anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about that. All right, look at verse... So in Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Then verse 10. So that's, that's a, an amazing thing to think about. But notice what the next verse is. This is the conclusion. And you are complete... In Him, 
which is the head of all principality and power. So he says, don't let anybody, don't let anybody confuse you. Don't let anybody spoil you into, into you know, man's way of thinking. What's man's way of thinking? It's, it's I got to climb the ladder to God. I got to reach God through my own effort. I've got to fix myself. I've got to solve all of these internal problems. I, you know, I've got I've to sweat and, and work hard and, and all this stuff. And I'm empty, you know. We're still, you know, you're still just a broken, messed up sinner. And, and Jesus didn't really help you very much. And so you're, you know, not doing so hot. He says, look, don't let anybody mess with your head and, and think that. Because, because the reality is the entirety of the Godhead fit inside Jesus. And in the same way, you are full, actually, is what it says in the, in the Greek. It's a, it's a word picture of a net being stuffed with fish. That was a common word picture back then. So he's saying, you are crammed full of God. Amen. Don't let anybody confuse you into thinking that you aren't full of God and that you aren't fixed on the inside and that you aren't a new creation. You're full of God. Now, I love praying more Holy Spirit and, and more God and all this, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not praying to get any more of God in here. Hello? He's already fully in there. I'm praying, I'm, I pray that because I want him to come out more. I want to experience more of what, what he's already done, but I, I, don't need, I don't need to get full of God anymore. So, so the idea is don't let anybody deceive you into thinking you're a broken person who hasn't already been given all that God has to offer. Let's read the next verse. In whom you are also circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands. Why is it without hands? Because you didn't do it. It's not your effort. And putting off the body of sins of the flesh of the, by the circumcision of Christ, being buried with Him in baptism, wherein you are also risen with Him through faith in the operation of God. Go down to verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. How many trespasses has he forgiven? All of them. Hallelujah. Now he says that, that you have been circumcised. What's that talking about? It's, uh, circumcision is, is the cutting away of something. What did he cut away? He cut away your old man, your sin nature. This is what Romans 6 says. He says, he says, don't you know that when, <coughs> when you were buried with him in baptism, that you, you, were, you died with Christ? So your old man is dead. Yeah. So you don't pretend he's dead. That's what they told me. But there's a, there's a major difference between, between, like if there's a snake in your house, uh, pretending the snake is dead and the snake actually being dead. Yeah. <laughs> there's a far cry. Uh, I, read, I read another analogy. How many of you remember that story, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Right? So there's like two parts of this guy's nature, right? There's, there's Dr. Jekyll, which is the normal guy. And then at night, he turns into Mr. Hyde, this evil guy. And he goes around and starts, I don't know, I haven't read the story, doing a bunch of bad stuff, I guess. 
And the deal is, is a lot of Christians still believe that you've got two natures. It's called dualism. It's actually a form of neo-Gnosticism, which is a bunch of fancy stuff. But anyway, all, all it is is this belief you've got two natures. No, you don't. Mr. Hyde died. Mr. Hyde was cut away from you. Man, that's encouraging. He was circumcised. But what you've got to understand is that Jesus died for you spirit, soul, and body. And so when it says He carried your sorrows, it's not, it's not just that Jesus got rid of, of the part that compels you to sin. That's only half the equation. He also got rid of the part that sin broke. So this, this pain and this hurt and all this stuff that that is, uh, you know, th these, these compulsions that we have towards anger and feelings of unworthiness and anxiety and all that stuff. It's like, it's like it was a disease on the inside of us, a cancerous deal. And Jesus circumcised it. He cut it away. He got rid of it. It's dead. Point number three underneath C there, it says the driving force... <laughs> behind broken ways of communicating with people like anger, unworthiness, fear, etc. Those things have been circumcised. Those have been taken away. All right. That's all really good news except for the fact that why do you still struggle with pain <laughs> from your hurt in, in your past, right? Pastor, if what you're saying is true, then why do I still have these issues? Well, that's a great question. Turn over to the back page. Here's the basic answer. There's a couple answers, but the basic answer is this, is that your heart might still believe lies that the negative situations taught you, and you may not have fully embraced your identity. In Romans 6, Paul is saying, <coughs> you know, he says, well, what should we say then? Should we just go on in sin that grace may abound? And then verse 2 he says, God forbid... Don't, don't you know that you're dead to sin? And how, how shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? So what he means there is if, if your identity is no longer a sinner, why on earth are you going to go ahead and, and do a bunch of outward acts of sin? Well, the only reason you would do that is if you didn't know you were a new person. But now look. The other half of the equation is, how shall we that are dead to brokenness continue any longer therein? I don't know if you're getting this. How, how shall we that are dead to mental anxiety and worry and fretting continue any longer therein? How shall we that are dead to feelings of unworthiness? That needs, that needs, you know, hallelujah. Somebody ought to say amen. Look, you're, you're dead to this stuff. This is not your identity. How shall, we, how shall we continue in that? We should not. Because it is not who you are. The, the, the problem is this. It's not that Mr. Hyde is still alive. It's that his clothes are still hanging out in your closet. 
That's why Paul repeatedly says, put off the old man. He doesn't say, kill the old man. Because he's dead. And you can't kill him. It's a giant pain to kill him. And if you spend a huge amount, this is what Christians do. We spend a huge amount of energy and wasted effort trying to destroy our old nature when he is already dead. You don't do that. What you do is you put off his clothes. What's that mean? It means you quit, you quit thinking like that person. You quit believing the lies that that person believed. And what you do is you put on Christ. You put on the way Jesus thinks. So you want to... What you want to do in life is anytime you have a problem, any area, you want to you learn to confess the opposite identity. So what's that look like? It's like, well, I, Pastor, I have this issue. Okay, what's your issue? Well, I have a lot of anger. Okay. No, you don't. You might, you might have the outward appearance of anger. You might be wearing those clothes... But the guy that was in those clothes is dead, and it is not who you are anymore. So what you need to do is quit saying, I'm an angry person, and start saying, I'm a loving person. I'm a patient person. I'm a forgiving person. And what you'll find is that if, if you do that, that, that the old identity and that old stuff, it'll fall off of you because it's actually a delusion. You say, it can't be that simple, Pastor. Well, it's, it is that simple. It's not always easy because you might have years of thinking wrong about yourself. But I, just in my own life, I didn't understand all this stuff. <laughs> but I had, I had several years in my life where I had this, this anger and this bitterness towards my natural father and, um, for a lot of reasons. And... and it was like a disease, like I said, on the inside that was eating me up. And I knew this was sin, you know, because I was in church. And people would be like, well, you got to forgive. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And they're like, well, well you have to. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying. It's hard. You're going to die. You know, it's going to kill you, that, that unforgiveness. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe you could tell me how. But, but anyway, so I had this problem, and, and I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it, and I felt just terrible shame about it. Terrible shame about it. Because, I, you know, I knew I was called to be a minister, and, and I thought, man, I'm a, I'm a broken... How did this happen? I'm a broken person. I love Jesus. I made my whole life about Jesus. How did I get to this point where I'm an angry, broken person? And I thought, man, I need, to go, I need to go to counseling. I need to get therapy or something. And, and I should have, honestly, but I was too prideful. And I just thought, you know, I'm messed up. And so I was praying about this one day. And I was, I was praying to God and I was complaining to God, which is okay because God's patient. And I was like, you know, God... I don't know how this happened. I was so discouraged. I'm like, I'm just such an angry person now. And I just have this anger, this bitterness, and unforgiveness towards my dad, you know. And I'm just an angry person. And God let me talk for a while. And then he said, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> 
Plain as day. Plain as day. And I heard the voice of God. And he said, he said, you're a forgiving person. You forgive your dad. That's who you really are. You're patient. You're loving. And, and it's the weirdest thing. It was like I was like, oh. And that's what revelation feels like. Oh. And it was like there was this bowl, I, I describe it this way, like this bowl of anger. And it's like God just reached down there and he pulled this plug and all just drained out. It was all gone in like minutes. And man, I was, I was so happy. <laughs> and I called my dad and I fixed the relationship. And, and I, realized, I realized I had been living under a delusional belief about myself for years. Boy, that's a bummer. But, hallelujah, God freed me from the delusion. And now, and now I, don't have to, I don't have to believe that anymore. It's really that simple. Now, sometimes it takes more of a process. Point number five, I love it when it happens that fast. And sometimes it takes a little longer. That's all right. Don't, don't condemn yourself. All right? But... But sometimes we have thoughts and communication patterns that still need to be renewed. That's what Romans 12, 2 is about. And what I'm saying here, this, this does not give you license not to deal with your issues. All right, don't walk out of here thinking, well, the pastor said I don't have any issues, so I don't have to deal with anything, so I'm not going to talk about anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm reclassifying your issues. I'm saying there's nothing fundamentally broken about who you are as a person because Jesus really fixed you once and for all. He really did. The problem is you might believe some wrong stuff. And if you'll change what you believe, you'll find out that maybe you were a different person than you imagined. Turn over to 1 Corinthians verse 3. So the first thing you want to do if you want to be healed of, of this internal stuff and, and grow and be able to connect with people in a powerful way and be vulnerable and stuff is, is quit believing you're broken. But then the second thing is you want to quit taking ownership of your pain and your past. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 21 through 23. It says, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. So everything belongs to you. What kind of things? Well, Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, that's Peter, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. It's an amazing list of things there. He says that, that your present belongs to you. You can make choices in the present that will change your future. Your future belongs to you. Hallelujah. There's one thing on the list, or excuse me, there's one thing that's not on the list that's notable because of its absence, and it's the past. It's not up there. You know why? Because it doesn't belong to you. Because Jesus purchased it with his blood. So, what's that mean? It means Jesus might be saying to you this morning, give me back my stuff. <laughs> What's his stuff? It's your fear, your anxiety, your unworthiness, your shame, your brokenness, the hurt from your past. 
when you visit your past in your thoughts, when you visit your past outside of Christ's redemptive perspective, you're trespassing. That's not a condemning word, that's an encouraging one. You don't, you don't get to tell yourself stories about your past outside of Jesus there telling you what really happened. Man, that's encouraging. The past doesn't belong to you. Let's read these scriptures about putting off the old man. Go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians, Philippians. Ephesians 4, verse 22 says, Therefore, sorry, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man. So it's just like, it's like an old pair of clothes. Put off the old man. The old man's dead, but, you know, the, the, the challenge is sometimes you, you've lived in that identity for so long that you go put on those clothes, you still think the same way, and the devil will try to convince you that your old man is still alive. And sometimes he'll even like put a thought in your head. He can, he can tell you stuff in your head and, uh, and then he'll condemn you for feeling that way. So, you know, if you've struggled with shame for years and then you get a revelation of the fact that Jesus purchased your shame and you aren't an ashamed person and you're the righteousness of God in Christ and you've been redeemed and made worthy, Every now and then, the devil might come to you and fight you and say, well, you know, you really ought to be ashamed of this thing in your past. And you might feel all those things come on you again. But what is it? It's not that your old man is, is alive suddenly again. It's that, it's that the devil is, is counterfeiting the old man. I'm preaching better than you're responding. I guess I'm teaching more than I'm preaching. But anyway, so the devil, he'll, he'll sort of uh, pretend to be your old sin nature, and then he'll condemn you, and he'll try to convince you, oh, that's still who I am. And, you know, this ought to be obvious to us, but if you believe that you're a sinner, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to go sin. Right? Who wants you to believe that you're a sinner? The devil does. Similarly, if you believe that you're a broken person and you can't connect in a healthy way with, with somebody else, what are you going to do? You're going you're to have unhealthy communication patterns. You're going to self-destruct relationships and all this kind of stuff. Who wants you to believe that stuff about yourself? The devil does. Jesus wants you to believe that you're redeemed and that you're changed. Now, sometimes there's a process, so just have grace with yourself. But anyway, it says, so put off the old man. And then in verse 25, he gives you an example. He says, put away lying. Speak every man the truth to his neighbor. Be angry and sin not. So don't, you know, neither give place to the devil. So what he's saying, let him that stole steal no more. So he's, he's not saying, he's not saying, look, through the effort of your flesh, Quit doing this sinful stuff. You can't do that. What he's saying is, quit believing that that is who you are. Put off that old way of thinking about yourself, and your outward actions will change. Look over at Romans 
13. So he says, put off the old man. And then in Romans 13, he says, put on the, the new man. Let's read that scripture. Romans 13, 14. I'll just put it. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, or put on the new man, and make not provision for the flesh. So I take off the old clothes and I put on the robe of righteousness. Now this is not some kind of legalistic activity. In the, in the Greek, the phrase put on there, it's, it, it means to sink down into. So it's like, you know, how many of you ever had like a really not like a plush bathrobe? You know, Molly and I have these, this hot tub and it's like amazing and so I preach about that more than I should. But anyway, <laughs> um, but one of the things we do is we get this, these bathrobes because to, to, it's cold, you know, when you go out there. But, but when, when you put that on, you just, you just kind of want to sink back into it, right? It's, it's, a, it's a posture of relaxing. The posture of, of, you know, taking a breath a little bit. Okay, so it's not like, it's not like, okay, here's this standard of who I'm supposed to be. I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to climb my way to that standard. No, it's, it's, this is who I am. I'm going to, I'm going to relax. I'm going to be myself. Who is myself? Well, the righteous, forgiven, redeemed, beloved child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to sink down into my new identity in Christ. So it's not some legalistic ritual. It's just about letting go of your anxieties about who you think you aren't and feeling at home in wholeness. You know, if you've lived in brokenness for a long time, wholeness can feel weird. You know, you've got to, you've got to, one of the ways you can check your heart, if I came up to you and I wrote you a check for $5,000 and I just said, here, there's no reason for this. It's just because God loves you and wants to honor you. Would you be able to handle it? I'm serious. Would you be able to, would you, what's the level of honor that you're willing to receive? To give honor, you've got to receive honor. I was talking to Josh the other day when we were setting up and I was, uh, we both admire Bill Johnson and the pastor at Bethel Church and, and he does this, um, thing on his birthday uh, that his birthday is like Christmas. He doesn't, he doesn't um, buy people he doesn't let people buy I mean people buy him gifts I'm sure but what he does is he uh, um, buys all his grandkids presents and so his question is always what do you want for my birthday? And so what he's doing is he's competing with Christmas. <laughs> and he's excited because he's like, my birthday is the number two holiday right below, <laughs> right below Christmas. Um, that's, that's a man that understands he's a king. He uses 
moments that are supposed... Now, here's, here's what you got to understand, all right? Is that he uses moments that were supposed to be about honoring him to honor other people. But he doesn't do that because, because he's, he's not able to receive honor. He just, I mean, people honor that guy all the time. And what he does is he just, he receives it and then he, and then he passes it on. But I want to be like that. I want, I want to be able to receive honor so I can give it away. But to do that, you've got to be whole in your heart. That's a good word. So, letter B, what do you need to do? You want to go through whatever process is necessary to get your heart to, to agree with the reality of who you are in Christ. So, you know, sometimes I love these stories. Like I told you a story how God immediately delivered me from this anger. You know, how many of you love stories about when God delivered somebody from alcoholism or drug addiction and it happened in a moment? I love those stories. It's tremendous. Well, what about people that, that it took a process? What about that? Well, praise God. Did they get better? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I had this one issue where anger left me in a moment. I've had other things in my life that I've been working on for a while. Now, I love it when things just happen immediately, but sometimes there's a process. And I just realize I'm not trying to kill my old man. I'm not trying to, to do something legalistically in my flesh. I'm just trying to... Sometimes it takes a little bit to find all the lies that you're believing. And even then, even when you find the lies, you know, somebody... You, God can tell you the truth, and you can, you can hear the truth, but you still have to make a decision to believe it. Amen. So don't get frustrated with yourself or judgmental if your process looks different than somebody else's. I was listening to Andrew Wavick and he said, he said he was getting, he prayed with, this is years ago, he prayed with a guy that was uh, an alcoholic and, and afterwards he was talking to God and he was just like, I don't understand, how can anybody be an alcoholic? It's just a terrible decision. And God said, you're a cocaholic. <laughs> And he was. He was drinking like two liters of Coke a day. And, uh, and so, you know, you don't want to judge somebody else's process. All right? Or God might deal with your issues. And so if you need to, you know, you might, I mean, and it's a good idea. Uh, you know, I've been to these. Go to, go to inner healing ministry or counseling or something if you need to. But what you want to do is find somebody that will affirm your identity in Christ. Right? And they can help you figure out what the lies you're believing are and replace those with truth. So, the, the main point is you're not broken. You just might not totally believe that yet. And that's about as encouraging thing as you can hear on a Sunday morning. All right, let's all stand up. My prayer team can come down here. I'm going to pray for everybody. Everybody all right? You guys are quiet today. Anyway, hallelujah. I'm going to pray for everybody. If you need personal prayer, you can come down and pray with one of my prayer ministers in just a moment. And uh, I think after this, at 11.30, we're doing worship team uh, tryouts. So if we can exit the auditorium, that'll be great. Father, I just love you. I thank you for making us new people. Thank you for killing Mr. Hyde and making us brand new in you. We are new creations. Hallelujah. And Lord, let that truth just be 
real in people's hearts. Let people understand it and receive it and walk in wholeness. We thank you for that. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.